0: now or later. Uh, I want to thank Bob for filling in last week. I appreciate that, and thank y'all for being attentive to him as he taught. Tonight we're going to continue um, talking about atheism. Uh, We'll have tonight and probably one more lesson on this next week. But tonight's lesson is atheist obstacles, and this is, you know, obstacles to atheists' believing. Now, remember, there is no such thing as a true atheist. The most that they could ever be would be an agnostic because they cannot, no one can 100% say for certain there is no God. That's if we were to say there is no gold in China, then we have to have absolute knowledge of every speck of dirt, every stream, every bank vault, every piece of jewelry, everything in China to say there is no God. So we know that they have to be agnostic. So when we say atheist, think agnostic because there can't be uh, that in truth. As far as proving God, it's as simple as to say that creation points to a creator. Uh, Same as a painting points to a painter. Same as a car points to a car manufacturer. We don't believe that it's possible for an explosion to happen and a uh, Mercedes that can only lead to chaos, not to order. So we know that there is a God because creation does testify to the creator. Now tonight, on the atheist obstacles, this very first thing it says here under questions and objections, it says, I will believe if God will appear to me. I actually had a professing atheist one time that I talked with, it's been several years ago now, he said well if God is real when we turn say 13 years old whatever, why doesn't he appear to us and show himself so that we'll believe well my response was well God has already revealed himself to us through his word, we have revelation of God Uh, he gave us the Old Testament through Um, the uh, patriarchs and prophets and then Jesus came to earth and from there forward we have his teaching and the testimony of the apostles and the early church fathers of the full revelation of God. But that was the question why did God not just appear to us? Well the answer we have here never occurred to me at that moment but it's that simple. Um, No one has ever seen the essence of God in his true glory and holiness. Now we know that he appeared in other forms such as the burning bush or the angel of the Lord, but to see him face to face even Moses only um, got to see God's glory pass by while God's here to me argument but the argument from disbelief and what this says the argument from disbelief is that the presence of sincere non-believers proves God cannot exist it suggests there are many people willing to believe in God if only they were giving sufficient evidence the fact that these people have not been given proper evidence is seen as proof that there is no loving God to provide such evidence or that such evidence is simply non-existent. So, they say they cannot believe because they're willing to find God. They're willing to believe in God, but they just don't have enough proof. That's this argument from disbelief. Basically what they're saying, all that to say this, is that if God is real, he would make himself clearly known so that anyone who is sincerely willing would believe. But there's some problems with this. There's some assumptions that goes along with this argument that don't add up. First is, is there such a thing as an objective, sincere, and willing non-believer? Now think about it. Someone that... Is willing to believe in God someone who is sincere and wanting to believe in God someone who wants to know God but is a non-believer that doesn't sound as they're really objective and sincere and willing does it so is there such a thing as someone that wants to know God but but you know God hasn't revealed himself second is the argument that God has failed to provide enough evidence. What is enough? If someone says, well, I need more evidence that God exists. Okay. Uh, we have the Bible. Well, I need more than that. What, what's something else? Well, we have evidence that the world's created. We, we go back to the supposed Big Bang and then we say, well, what was before that? Well, well I just need more evidence at which point does someone not need more evidence and that amount of evidence becomes enough. There is, for the someone who doesn't want to believe, there's never enough evidence. And then also, um, we have to ask ourselves, with these conditions being set of someone who wants to know God and doesn't believe, and someone who just doesn't have enough evidence is there an obligation for a righteous holy God to reveal himself to sinful man on our terms see the tables have kind of been flipped here we're saying God you have to do this you have to do this you have to show me this but God is not I could say, God, right now, if you were real, make it thunder. Well, now, it very well could have. It was earlier, and I'd have felt kind of funny if if it had. But I could say, okay, it didn't thunder. There's no God. And go on with my life. God is not on our terms. And more about that in a minute, but... The bottom line to this argument from disbelief is it's a moral issue. Someone does not want to believe because they then become morally obligated to follow God. Paul, writing in Romans, sums this up perfectly. In Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. That's what's happening here. The truth is being suppressed. Because that which is known about God is evident from within them. For God is evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being misunderstood through what has been made so they are, I'm sorry, I misspoke there, have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing to be wise and become fools, and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That sums up the whole atheist premise. They have professed to be wise. If you'll remember the video we watched a few weeks ago, how many people with doctorates, multiple doctorates, professing to be wise, but denying what was clearly in front of them as the proof for God's existence. Continuing on, This next part I may need some help with because I have wrestled with this all week and I have not got it in my mind yet. But it says here, a favorite argument of the atheist is that God's existence cannot be disproved. Let me read that again. A favorite argument of the atheist is that God's existence cannot be disproved. If I'm someone that does not believe in God and I'm someone that does not want to believe in God why would I have a problem with God not being not being able to disprove God I'm open to input <laughs> um, there's a a Facebook page that goes along with um, this material people that have been through it and people that it was kind of a support for each other and I asked that question in the group and the best answer I got is that since there is no absolute negative people don't want to believe I think that's still a little stretching it 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 goes back to like we said about the golden china you can say there's no golden china but you have to be omniscient to know that. So, to say, okay, I don't believe in God because God cannot be disproved. Um, I don't know, it says here it is, because the atheist is neither omniscient nor omnipresent, that he then takes an illogical leap by concluding that there is no God because it cannot be proved that he doesn't exist. Such reasoning is absurd. I agree. The best answer I could give someone that says, I don't believe in God because God cannot be disproved, I would have to say you're absolutely right. God cannot be disproved. Now, let me prove to you that he is real. If I find out more on that later, I'll share it, but um, we'll move on from that point. My mind is not... uh, wide enough to carry that. The atheist will also have a problem with both answered and unanswered prayer. If we have a scenario where there's um, a child or even an adult that's sick in the hospital, uh, tonight in our prayer meeting we'll be praying for a lot of people who are sick, a lot of people who've had surgery, uh, people that have COVID-19, just a lot of people that we'll be praying for Well, if we pray, let's just use an example. Heaven forbid, let's say Fisher is in the hospital and he has some disease. Let's say he has COVID-19. And I'm in his hospital room and I'm praying, God, heal him. And the church is here praying, God, heal Fisher. And then, although we don't want to think this way, he's not healed. The atheist would say, well, don't guess there's a God, is there? He didn't answer that prayer. Or, let's put it on the flip side. Fisher makes a great recovery. That makes a miraculous recovery. Well, now, doctors and medicine and, and the body heals itself, and you can't attribute that to an answer prayer. See, either way, the atheist is going to say, prayer has no effect because if it goes quote unanswered that means there's no God listening but if it goes answered well then there's some other explanation so be prepared for that that a atheist will have that argument about prayer but the amazing thing about it and this would be where we would come back does your Seen me right now have any bearing on my existence? What's that, Bob? Hmm. Seeing me is proof of my existence. Okay. Let's do, let's do an experiment. Facebook people, I'll be right back. To Haley. Been married to her almost 14 years ish. Happily married the first three. No. no, been happily married almost 14 years. Well, I've never seen your wife. You're not married, I don't believe she exists. That doesn't change the fact that she exists. The same thing with prayer. Answered or unanswered prayer has absolutely nothing to do with God's existence. If my car breaks down and I can't get a hold of the manufacturer, does that mean that no one built the car? Just because I can't get a hold of them to say, Hey, my car is doing this or is doing this, what should I do? Just because I can't get in touch with them has nothing to do with the existence of the Creator on the flip side God's existence doesn't have anything to do with those who have experienced miracles, seen visions, or supposedly heard his voice so we can't say that his not answering disproves his existence but we can't say that someone else who tells me will used to Hear people say, well, how do you know God exists? Well, I just talked to him a few minutes ago. He lives inside of me. And that's true. He lives inside of us. But someone could say that. That doesn't mean it. You know, and this is an example. Or it could be a... I hate to use the real, the real name. So let's say somebody make up a name like Henny Ben. Uh, That's not his real name. but says, I have these healing powers from God. Well, if you can do that, there must be a God that exists. No, that has no bearing on his existence. As far as I'm concerned, that's a false show he puts on, whoever I'm talking about. Just like the sun. Right now, the sun is still shining. We see the light of it. We feel the warmth of it. But in a few hours, it's going to be dark outside. Does the sun no longer exist? No. We don't see it. We don't feel the warmth, but the sun is still there. Our human testimony does not have any bearing on God's existence. If the Bible We know it never will be, but let's say something, somewhere, somehow, proves the Bible to be fraudulent. We cannot believe what the Bible says. That has no bearing on God's existence because he existed before creation and before the scriptures were penned. has no bearing. But we know since it is a perfect, inerrant word, it does testify to our Creator. I want to make that clear if I don't want anybody to think that I don't believe the Bible. There's an atheist here. Her name is April Peterson. She wrote that the human trait of seeking comfort through prayer is a strong one. And I think that's that's true. Most people, um, when they find themselves in a, in a tough spot or a loved one's in the hospital or whatever, they will um, pray. But who are they praying to? If they have not believed in the biblical revelation of God, well, human nature is to create a God of their own, which, of course, we call this idolatry. It's a God we create in our image that we're praying to. Um, I, I like the word in here. It says, this God is a good luck charm to do their bidding. If someone say, "God, let us, oh, let, let our team win today," or "Let me win those lottery winnings," and i thats not the God of biblical revelation. If it were, we'd have a problem because when it comes Super Bowl time, you'd have this side praying for this team, this side praying for this team. Who's God going to answer? the God of biblical revelation is not going to place himself in such a paradox. So, the true God is who we who we pray to. But by human nature, to seek comfort through prayer, naturally, there are those who pray to idols. And as I read through this, I got to thinking, I, I believe it was this Um It was either this past Sunday or the Sunday before, the choir sang The Potter's Hand. And it talks about, you know, there in Jeremiah, where he goes to the potter's shed, and and God reveals to him that we are like clay in the potter's hand being molded into a vessel he can use. With idolatry... God becomes that pliable putty in our hands. And I had never thought about it that way. Whereas the true God of the Bible, Jehovah, creator of the universe, those who are his, he molds and shapes into a vessel. Mold me, make me, fashion me towards your will. But an idol, well, you people, you're against homosexuality. My God would never do that. You're exactly right. Your God wouldn't. Your God's an idol. Your God is one that you have placed on the potter's wheel and shaped in your own image. Malachi 3.6, Brother uh, Siever preached on this a couple weeks ago. I am the Lord, I change not. His immutability, it doesn't matter what we imagine. If we imagine that an oncoming steamroller is cotton candy, we're going to get flattened. It's not going to just become something it isn't. God is not going to become someone or something that he is not. Because he changes not. The bottom line with atheism, and I probably would say this every week, any form of unbelief is the unbeliever does not want to be held accountable to a holy God. Once you admit there is a God, that God is real, that Jesus died on the cross, then all of a sudden you're left with a problem. What am I going to do with Jesus? Am I going to accept his sacrifice? Or am I going to continue? People don't want to be faced with that, so they create gods in their own minds. Okay, well, it's about time. Let's stop right there. Does anyone have any uh, thoughts or questions or comments? anybody come up with any grand solutions to my quandary tonight? The part about nobody ever seen God. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Thank you, that's that's a good clarification. I said no man had ever seen God, but no sinful man had. Adam and Eve, before they fell, walked with God in the garden. So, since the fall of man, no mortal sinful man has seen God and lived. So, thank you for pointing that out, I, I appreciate that. Okay? after well it says they, they heard the sound of him in the cool of the day they couldn't have seen him and lived right right. so probably they, they heard him this we're, this is going on some of that supposing those things we'll never know but after Adam and Eve fell, they hid from God. And it says God slew the animal and covered them. So did Adam and Eve see God after they sinned. According to what we know from Scripture, they would have immediately died. They they did talk to him. And of course, Moses talked to him through the burning bush, and so That was, yes, that was a form of, even though they physically did not die. Yeah. So, all right, that's your homework for this week. <laughs> all right. Any Those who truly believe and take the Bible for what it is won't mold God into their own image because they believe. But there's so many people that say, well, this, is, this was written by man. There's problems in it. It goes back to the, I need more proof. And what more proof could we have? Um, you're right. It's, it's a matter of where we place our faith. Have we really let God speak to us I believe there's people that say, well, God spoke to me, and I've read the Bible, and he's told me this is, this, that. They've not spoken to the true God. Donna, you're busting to say something. Or do you just not like that word homework? Okay. Well, I mean, when I'll say it, and we'll cut it off and come back to it later. Okay. There's a lot of things in Scripture that this side of heaven will never know. And I don't think it's, as long as we don't go crazy or contradictory, there's nothing heretical about supposing. Like, so many times we see the movies with Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem. Uh, the Nativity Story is a great movie now. Do we know for sure that they stopped along the way and sat and ate the fish like they did shown in the movie? We don't have any record of that. It's plausible, but we don't know. So I, I think it's enjoyable to kind of do a what if as long as we don't get heretical. So she's going best. All right, Facebook folks, thanks for joining us, and we're going to transition to our prayer time now.